burn ointment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Hey. We're renewing our burn ointment for this one, which means we're going to take that salve and we're going to smooth it straight over nice. that burn that you got, those blisters. Don't pop them, motherfucker. No, we're the aloe vera in the middle of your week. Put the aloe on it, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And we've got some good recommendations for you for Holy Terror. So you read Holy Terror, hopefully, or you just heard us talk about it. It was... It, the episode got a lot more poignant and dark than I expected it to. We um, reached out and touched a brother's heart. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for staying with us and coming back. But as far as it goes, like Frank Miller wanted to create himself some propaganda comics, and it was clearly influenced after 9-11. So we've got, we curated a list of things that you can go take to your comic shop, dive in the back issues, and check out some new things because there are good and palatable. Palatable examples of these things that you could take home and it actually will make you feel something for this horrific event. We love our bad comic books, but one of the reasons we love our bad comic books is because we can go and read some good comic books and be like, this is what they should have done all along. The little palate cleansers that make you appreciate just how, like, because it is very difficult to craft a story and you just take that one bad turn and you're just <clears throat> face planting into a cliff. So... This is where we go ahead and kind of give you some stuff that kind of compares to the bad, and you can see where they could have gone so much better or a different direction and give you, like, just a, you know, nice little new flavor that is actually digestible. Yeah, and uh, we, we've got some recommendations for you right now. This is, These are the... Uh the bad done right so yeah. you take the concept you do it right and uh bruno before we start you have some pseudo okay recommendations for this us is too. kind of new but um yeah there's, there's a couple of pseudo recommendations one um is shameless plug because i'm that kind of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> yes yes read read listen to our old podcasts <laughs> so uh holy terror um, essentially, one of the the main takeaways that we had is that artistically, it looks beautiful, and it is just... Duncan Fregredo! Yeah. Um, so, Holy Terror is just Frank Miller doing his work right, and um, we had another comic book that we literally said the exact same thing. Now, with Holy Terror, we had different views about why we didn't like the content. In this case, it touched on some really negative aspects of the human collective whereas the one that i'm referring to now um ultimate adventure it just went nowhere it was awful it was horrible to read it was but horrible to beautiful read, to look but at. it was beautiful to look at so like i would say i personally would i remember saying i wouldn't recommend anyone getting the issue to read it and i really should add that amendment to read but if you want a really nice um issue with some beautiful artwork that some great pages if you want to make a collage Comic book. If you want to cut it up this and paste is, it on your wall like a serial killer. Like, this is the one that you would do it with. It's Ultimate Adventures, and we had a whole podcast about what was so wrong with it. And we did make some recommendations there, too. So, you know, that podcast will lead you to some other good choices. The Go ones, back and listen to it. I believe it was our sixth one. So yeah. you look for six, Ultimate Adventures, and I believe the, the subtitle that I right. for was the, the Rise and Fall of a Fake-Ass Batman. Yes. And then, um... Another... Which, by the way, that's also... That was a fake-ass Batman. Yes, it was a fake-ass Batman. That's literally why I, I did that. It was a fake-ass Batman, um, and it literally looked better than it read. Yep. Uh, another one, and this is just because it is the same concept. Uh, Holy Terror was essentially a Batman story that 
DC was like, nix that. And uh, Frank Miller was like, I'm going to write it anyway and put it out. And so it was a repurposed Batman storyline. So this one, the name may sound more familiar, but chances are not a lot of people have read the comic that it was based out, which is Wanted. Uh, most people remember it as the movie with Angelina Jolie, Morgan Friedman, and Bullets That Bend. But it's <laughs> so much better than that. Uh, the original comic book came out at a time where people wanted a superhero movie, but didn't want all those, you know, costumes and gimmicks and stuff. So they just did it playing it straight, turned superheroes into assassins. But if you read the original Wanted uh, by Mark Miller, it's actually a repurposed uh, Legion of Doom comic book that he was writing. And you can see different versions. The main character, Mr. Rick, uh, Rickus, or the main antagonist, I should say, Mr. Rickus, is clearly a stand-in for Lex Luthor. They're stand-ins for all kinds of characters of DC Universe. It's kind of fun when you go back and read it. You're like, oh, that's this person. Oh, that's this person. They even have one for Clayface, which is Shithead. It's great. Um, I would suggest the comic book itself reads very much like Miller pulling a cross uh, or like a cover of Garth Ennis. So I would read the dossier that comes with it. If you get the paperback, it's on the back. If you get the individual issues, get the dossier first. It gives you a background of this world, which essentially is the villains won. They took over the world. They made people forget about heroes, and they wiped them all away. And the main villain that is is this guy goes by the name of killer clearly meant to be inspired by deathstroke he's untouchable and they finally kill him but he has a son who is now going to inherit the mantle uh and so these fraternity of villains try to groom him to take the mantle of the killer um while trying to keep him in line to keep kind of the balance of the world running so these are two you know very similarly themed um issues one of them like i said we've covered already i feel like at some point we may touch on wanted but it kind of depends um but definitely something that if you happen to see it the trade paperback's not that expensive uh if you get the individual issues not bad the artwork is great they're definitely based on kind of like what ultimate adventures did so the main character looks like eminem the uh the other character looks like halle berry the uh the fox like there's de uh definitely artistic like license with famous celebrities so even just reading it visually you get a treat not to mention that the storyline is pretty badass so those are my two pseudo recommendations i'll let nick start off with the first real one all right so we got the first real ones here and uh to my knowledge i don't think dc really published any direct um uh responses 9-11 aside from peter milligan's and cliff chang's uh human target yeah which there was a story where he just kind of like just faded he just dis used that time to just disappear with that one. A human target, that was a really, really well, strong was that, story. Uh, yeah, it was the storyline with the guy that was using the 9-11 uh, to uh, cover his embezzling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just, yeah. So he was just like, saw that as an opportunity strike. Mm. So that was really, really good too. In fact, I recommend going back and reading any of Human Target because Peter Melvin knocked it out of the park with that series I have to give DC credit though they didn't try to double down because like Marvel kind of called that they were doing it because a lot of their characters are based in New York yeah and DC they had to do it where DC they, they've got their stuff in like, like Metropolis uh, which are like Star City which are are essentially ripoffs of like cities here but they have their own thing so instead of trying to shoehorn like a New York City into their world and make it as potent as it was Marvel actually has it I mean because of these attacks, we lost one of the... I remember the trailer for Spider-Man, where he yeah. captures a helicopter, 
We and, lost entire scenes of, uh, like, like, one of the biggest comic movies. movie adaptations. Of yeah, that. I think it was, like, he trapped the Green Lantern between at one point. The trailer was him catching a, a helicopter that was going out between the towers, and that was, and then it was, like, Spider-Man coming soon. There was a trailer that, uh, a poster that was taken out that had the, the Twin Towers in his lenses. That was, they were all recalled and taken yeah. out. So, like, this had real-world ramifications for Marvel across the board. Yeah, and, but and but just because it was such a New York-based company, too. Like, I think DC would, uh, was basically always on the West Coast. No, DC was... Or were they across no, the no, street? No, no. DC, I think they moved DC, to the West yeah, Coast later DC on. Yeah, DC and Marvel have always been uh, across the street. Uh, DC moved to California uh, not that long ago, a couple years back, but... Marvel has always been grounded in New York yeah. City. So they, they came out with these things. Uh, first one, biggest one, was Mona of Silence, where it was a completely uh, silent issue. And prior to this, like, they've been toying around with Enough Said. Yeah. So they've been doing the Enough Said issues and stuff like that. So they kind of, like, trained up their artists to kind of, like, deliver on wordless Yeah, just wordless reactions. And it was a bunch of vignettes. And I think the only one that really had anything talking was Brian Bendis was telling a story... Um, it was basically just retelling a story that a firefighter had told him about how they found someone under the rubble and it was like the whole moment of silence part came in when everyone just got quiet trying to see if they could hear anyone and they were like but we never found anyone so it's just like there was always that hope that was always dashed in that so it was super heartbreaking after that one went to heroes um 411 also all of these very much vignettes and all of them following up on the same formula where they're retelling these stories making it very realistic and they're trying to um i don't want to say capitalize because really a lot of these books were benefit books i think they were that just, they're trying where the to profits catch, went straight to it they're, they're just trying, trying to capture, to capture the moment and the spirit that was felt in there and not lose the hope because that was the biggest thing about 9-11 was at this point america had been hurt deeply like um i mean yes we we had pearl harbor prior to that but you know this was a major uh, metropolis of pardon the use of that word but of america it was our, our entire lives were disrupted multiple targets were hit that day you know america's entire infrastructure was hurt like the the market was closed for quite a while after mm. the the world trade center was hit um they you know they opened but uh it was very slow to turn like to start turning a profit things took quite a while to get back to normal and the entire you know um structure of new york from the skyline down to like neighborhoods like path stations were closed for years um the that whole area was blocked off um so it was definitely a change that was felt through new york that you know didn't go away and it captured um these comics helped capture a lot of the hope and kept people going kept these kids that didn't know how to make sense of this you know going and using that one of the ones that they did do that was uh big was the spider-man from Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2, number 36, the 9-11 issue, which basically mm -hmm. starts off with him looking at the chasm right from the opening panel. And yeah, that was a two-page spread of, like, Spider-Man's, his Spidey sense just going blaring. Yeah. And he can't even, like, basically focus, except for he just feels a compulsion to go help. And all areas of the Marvel Universe are represented. The villains are out there. It's, like, meant to be seen as a unifying factor. And I think it gets a lot of criticism because, like, Doctor Doom was over there. I was like, no, you're thinking of it too literally. Yeah. These are representations. This is not an incontinuity tale. Yeah, no. This is just supposed to be, like, Marvel's, like, knee-jerk reaction yeah. to all this stuff. Like, capturing that feeling. 
And also, I'd like to point out, like, they, they did give Doctor Doom a lot of slack, but, like, say what you will about Doom, and don't get me wrong, he can be ruthless as all get out. He saved the universe. But, I, I mean, he's not only has he saved the universe, but, like, realistically, his one biggest complaint is that there's a dude out there that's smarter than me, and that won't stand. But, like, everything he does, at, uh, to some extent, has mankind's like interest at heart like he takes care of the people from the reason they haven't deposed him is because he takes care of the country that he runs yeah so like i really believe if any villain was going to feel for a country that was that taken aback it's a dude that runs his own country is like i wouldn't stand for that like what can i do yeah so like it wasn't entirely out of character it's just the fact that it was out of continuity because it didn't it wasn't a standalone special it wasn't an uh, uh annual it was you know volume two number 36 yeah because it would have been really silly if they had it very much a continuity yeah. tale it's just these are very much emblematic of all the characters of the house that Stan and Jack built. Yeah. You know? So we got those ones right there. 411. It's a two-issue thing. Uh, it doesn't matter if you, like, miss one of them or other because it's not a continuing story. But 411 issues one and two. Heroes and Moment of Silence are one-shots. And then we had the Amazing Spider-Man number 36, which I believe, like, you could find it for... It, it, it fetches a price, especially for the black cover. Yeah. I think there's another type of cover that's out there. Um, but, but it's going to be expensive. But... You can actually pick it up a lot in the trades, too, so yeah. you can actually see that in, I think, either Volume 2 or Volume 1 of J. Michael Straczynski's run. It's definitely in the Omnibus. Yeah. Um, was it uh, Another one I'll point out, because he basically created his take on Batman with the fixer, was just clearly like, you know, Batman with, without the ears, uh, Marvel's answer to Batman, which is Moon Knight. Yeah, Moon Knight. Uh, and he's, well, he'll be getting his own series soon, so he's finally getting some attention. Are you he sure deserves. he's getting his own series? Because I've I've heard rumblings that, like, they've been canceling a lot of the Hulu. They've, they've been canceling a lot. Ever since the Lobotomation, where, uh, Lobotomized, yeah. where Jeff Loeb left the company uh, well, after Kevin Feige uh, assumed a Kevin more, Feige bigger has, role. Kevin Feige has been canceling ones that people are kind of worried about. Like, they did the, the idea for... How are the ducks gone? Howard the Duck, the well, Kevin Smith. <laughs> well, that. two that was supposed to be four projects that was going to lend into the Offenders. Well, the Offenders is still on, from what I understand. Offenders is still on, but they they canceled um, Howard the Duck and they canceled and, Ta uh, Tiger and Dazzler. Yeah, but they're still keeping the other Hit two. Monkey and Modok. Yes, uh, and the Offenders may come up with the scripts that were probably going to be the other two, just repurposed. Um, as far as I know, Moon Knight is still going forward. I think Moon Knight's going to be Disney Plus. Yep. Because uh, I'm pretty sure Moon Knight falls into the same universe. That seems a little, like it will be a little dark and violent for Disney+. Plus. It, like, it depends on where they decide to go with it. Because, I mean, yeah. here's the thing. If they go with the fun uh, Warren Ellis I'm gonna, I have a point out, version. If they go with Volume 3, they're screwed. <laughs> okay? And Volume 3 was the main with one. With the faceless Bushman. <laughs> yes. Volume 3 is the main one. Because essentially it was, the re, uh, it was the reintroduction of Moon Knight. Um, into the main thing. This is like right before Civil War and all that nonsense. And it's uh, Moon Knight um, is broken. His knees are shattered up and he's pulling himself back together and he's being taunted by his last mission where he essentially gave in to his darker impulses and removed the Bushman's face and left him to die. And his god that he worships that brought him back to life, Khonshu, which is the Egyptian moon god, um, is taking on in the form of his, like, 
communications with him, the avatar of the faithless Bushman. So he's there taunting his disciple because he wants his disciple to get out of his funk. It also adds more le- depth and layer to the characters, like why Frenchie sticks around, introduces him as a gay character who's in love with Mark and has a very toxic relationship with him, and that's why he sticks it out. It shows a lot of uh, Mark Spector's instability, as in you'd have to be crazy to want to do half this crap. Um, and it really fleshes the character out and does a good job of you know giving you a, a more extreme, no-nonsense version of Batman. Um, volume 4 is after um, all the crossovers, after Civil War and stuff like that. And at this point... This is during Dark Reign. This is during Dark Reign. So it's a, a more stabilized unstable mark specter follow me if you will um dark uh, mark specter one of the characters or one of the prominent uh things about him that adds an extra layer than batman is that he takes on multiple identities he has like the uh, uh an alias as a limo driver kind of like how batman has his matches malone and stuff like that except that's a key component of Mark's of Moon Knight, he's got the Moon Knight persona, Mark Specter, this cabbie. He's got all these different aliases that take on full-on characters. It's not just like when they want to write in. It's like, oh, Batman, I'm gonna pick up this persona that I've been cultivating that I haven't mentioned. Mm. This is gonna be uh, a core part of it. So, Volume Four decides to really up the ante in his um, thing and said that he has multiple identity or dissociative identity disorder, and his other identities. Or that of superheroes. So he's got a Wolverine that's like his anger. Well, you're five. thinking of the Brian Michael Bendis one. That's volume four. Is it? Uh, it is. You're Bendis. thinking of the Bendis one with I Alex Malieve. I am thinking of Bendis one, and that's honestly. That yeah, one. you're jumping past the Hurwitz. Um, I am jumping past the Hurwitz because honestly, I like the Bendis one better because he's well because he's he's sitting there and he's having discussions with like it's like all right, Spider Man, you take over, and then Wolverine's like, I'll just freaking cut them. Let me do that shit. Mm-hmm. And then he's got Captain America. It's like, no, we got to bring them to justice. So he's got these like voices in his head constantly that he's switching over and then he just gives into these avatars so um yeah honestly i th- those are my two volume uh three and um and this run two more recommendations go off both of these captain america related because why not yeah we're talking about it and i'm not talking about the marvel knights captain america series that came out as a reaction to 9-11 that's actually probably going to be fodder for a future oh god it burns yes uh, be, not because of how terrible it was, but because how much it did not stick the landing no. at all. It was a beautiful disaster, and we'll be getting to that when we get to it. But I've got two of them. First thing I'm be talking about um, is a repurposed script, another repurposed script. So back on Captain America 300, J.M. DeMatteis was doing his run on it, and you guys know how much I love me some J.M. DeMatteis, he my does. favorite Spider-Man writer. I've read a lot of his uh, independent stuff. Nick's a fanboy for him. I have not read his Captain America stuff, though. But I loved how he incorporated Baron Zemo into his Spectacular Spider-Man run and so on and so on. So when I heard that he had originally planned for Captain America to die in 300 and that his whole storyline was building up to the death of American Dream and seeing the disillusionment, this is following uh, Vietnam, had happened like not too long ago. I think this was still in like the early 80s. Um that this run was going on so it was like still like pretty fairly recent and the disillusionment was very real like captain america had become like nomad or u.s agent or something he just kind of like abdicated his responsibilities to captain america he was supposed to die at 300 and marvel stepped in they said no so he went off over to uh boom studios which let him repurpose his script 
and it was Life and Times of Savior 28. It is a five-issue limited series. If you can find it, I highly recommend that one. And my other last one that we're going to give to you uh, on this burn ointment is The Truth, Red, White, and Black, mm-hmm. which saw the first appearance of Isaiah Bradley, yep. who was the original prototype for Captain America because... And they said this... This was at the, so clever. This I, was so. This is really clever. It was like, why would you, in 1930s, 40s America, super racist America, yeah. test a serum on a white guy? We saw the Tuskegee experiments. There's like a bunch of other historical uh, uh, documentation of like testing stuff on black populations. Yeah. Why would they give it to the white man instead of testing it to see if it's like good to roll on a black man first? I mean, because the the whole premise was that there it was a, a experimental serum that was done, and only one dude was able to administer it. And realistically, like you wouldn't give it to your best and brightest first because, like, what if it destroys your best and brightest? Then you got nothing. Yeah. So it's like let, let's just go ahead and go with these. You gotta you gotta see what the deficiencies are, what the kinks are, and it's uh, written by a guy named Robert Morales who did have a good run on the Marvel Knights Captain America right before the disassembled arc. Uh, unfortunately, he did die. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what happened, but he looked like he was destined to like really, really like soar. Like I loved everything he wrote, and also it had art by Kyle Baker, which is really cartoony, but there's something about his cartoonishness that has such a humanity to it. And such a respect for the the uh, the source material, and if you can kind of get past the initial cartoonishness, it is like a perfect comic book. Mm-hmm. It does have its like early digital art quirks to it, but it is unlike anything you'll read before, and it does almost like the anti-propaganda story. So whereas Frank Miller's Holy Terror was very much supposed to be a propaganda story, this is like behind the propaganda. This is stuff that's really happening behind the We Want You poster, right? So. There we go, guys. We got you a lot of recommendations that you could take to your comic shop. I actually have one more real quick one. It's not so much a recommendation. It's just kind of in the vein of, because comic books is a a giant medium, uh, this is like the Asylum version of it. You know how, like, you have, like, Transformers will come out, and then you'll see a movie, like, if if you'd gone back, like, back in the days of, or just on Netflix streaming, like, Transmorphers. Yeah. That sounds really close. And it's nothing like that. There is a Batman Holy Terror. It is a Elseworlds Only DC. This, oh, it's not Elseworlds. It is Elseworlds. Is it Elseworlds? It is absolutely an Elseworlds storyline. Now, Batman Holy Terror is essentially what would happen if the church raised Batman. And that's the whole thing. And so this one is actually also against propaganda, but it's against the propaganda of, like, in uh, from the point of view of Christianity running amok, not... Islam. So if you happen to see a book and you're like, I thought they said it wasn't a Batman book, and it says Batman Holy Terror, and he's holding what looks like a modified American flag, and he's got like the pointy... Um, so it was like the Superman cover. Red Sun for Batman. Yeah, but it's Batman raised by the church. and So, Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, essentially, like, he becomes he becomes a parable of this church uh, after his parents died, because they were members. Uh, and comes to find out that there's a conspiracy, and there's uh, characters... Uh, the whole DC universe was shaped differently because at this point, um, I think the, the main thing is this character Oliver Cromwell um, l- didn't actually die and came in earlier and actually completed like America became a theocracy. Yeah. And so Batman is raised in this theocracy where his parents die and he takes to the cape. So it is a very good indictment of 
the opposite side of the propaganda, which is what happens when organized religion goes too far. So it is very interesting, and it is a good read. It's just not Holy Terror. It's not the Holy Terror we're talking about. Yeah. So if you see one that actually has Batman on the cover, you picked up the Asylum version of uh, it, but it's still a decent read. Um, take it for what it is as an Elseworld story. You won't be disappointed. Hell, and there are so many other comics that I have not personally read, and Bruno's not personally read, where they would fight the clan, like Superman versus the Ku Klux Klan. They would also have, like, Mark Wade wrote a Batman annual where he took on the clan yeah. as well, like, and Captain America's always taken on the clan in the form of the hate monger, who's basically say, like an Adolf Hitler clone. Yeah. So all that stuff is there. So any kind of propaganda you want, there's a lot more fun propaganda to be seen out there, and really just go ahead and enjoy it. In the meantime, guys... Uh, just make sure you keep an eye out this Saturday we're going to be jumping into uh, Miller Time continue with Miller Time we're going to be going into uh, Frankie got the leash put on him on Dark Knight 3 Master Race by Brian Azzarello Hmm. uh, Adam Kubert and you know that Miller guy Frank Miller's in the background (laughs) that guy in the background spitting out stuff and they're like okay okay and then Kryptonians come and kill a bunch of people. Got it. We'll write it this way. <laughs> I was like, well, I think you should change the name to Superman and Batman, the Master Race. I was like, no, we'll just keep it Batman. <laughs> okay, well, that's it. <laughs> I mean, you're sure you can't put Superman in there? <laughs> nope. Shut up, Frank. Back. But I really just want to write Superman. They won't let me write Superman. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> that is not the new <laughs> <laughs> have you ever gotten sick like this happens to me every single year I get sick I get a cough and I'm not sick anymore but the fucking cough lasts for three months <laughs> I've got a three months cough so guys I know you're tired of hearing me clear my throat all the time I'm a flummy motherfucker he is but I apologize for all the coughing I'm gonna be doing on this next bit but uh stay tuned next Wednesday Dark Knight Master Race 3 next Saturday uh, next, this Saturday coming up yes uh, my name is Nick. My name is Bruno. In the meantime, guys, go ahead and uh, put some aloe on it. Yeah, right? <laughs> hey, was that a good sign-off? That, that was a good sign-off. Put oh, some yeah. aloe on put it. Put some aloe on it. <laughs> At least <laughs> Navidad. Oh, God, it burns.